0: People don't like to talk about the earthly business of dying. But when my mother got sick, my father and I faced that reality. The help we received from Mountain Valley Hospice made all the difference in her quality of life. Their in-home care was remarkable, and when the time came, the Waltz Hospice home was a godsend. My mother was able to live her best life, even as she was leaving it.
1: Contact Mountain Valley Hospice at mtnvalleyhospice.org.
0: The pit stop here on WTOB, powered by Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Brent Wiseman alongside you. It was a sellout crowd, 14,000 plus at the Madhouse this past Saturday night. And who better to stop the show than the showstopper himself? Chris Fleming, flag to flag victory for his third of the season, holding off Burt Myers at the end to pick up the win in the modified race. Again, you got the 100 lapper next week, so a lot to look out for. Uh, and if Chris Fle- Fleming qualifies in the top four on that one, he's going to be in for the Fans Challenge. That's that $9,000 plus advantage of the fans challenge the standing room only crowd biggest since opening night in April trust us folks Bert tried to do all he could to stay close with Chris Fleming had at least one chance to pull ahead of him couldn't do it in just a clean race though just two cautions Bert said afterwards he had the pull and he made it stand up we didn't have enough for him in the end Chris did say that uh if they do qualify in the top four, they're going to go for that $9,000. That's what the fans want to see, he said. He's not scared of trying. said he saw how many people were there. When you see that many people, you want to put on a good show. The car was outstanding. We won the pole, and we made it stand up. He did just that in the second modified race of the night. Jeremy Gerster started on the pole in that one and led flag to flag in the, 20, the second 25 lap. It was his first win of the season. No cautions in that one. Dan Speeney second, Randy Butner third, and John Holloman coming in fourth. Gerstner said afterwards it was emotional, something he'd wanted to do for a long time. He drives 18 hours round trip every weekend from Wesley Chapel, Florida to come to the Madhouse. On his way back uh, on Sunday, he drove home with his first winner's trophy. So, Cool and something special for him for sure. Michael Adams had somebody riding with him uh, on his way to the first sportsman, to the win in the first Sportsman 20 lapper. Derek Taylor, who grew up with him in, in Yakinville, died recently at the age of 42 after a battle with leukemia. Adams said he was talking to Derek the entire race. Fended off Tommy Neal in a close finish on the last lap. He said, quote, I wanted to win this one so bad for him. He was such a good dude and a good friend, so this means so much to me. It was his second win of the season. He had to do some serious wheel manning on the final lap with Neal breathing down his neck. Final lap was after a caution flag that involved Amber Lynn and Casey Kepler Jr. After those two were quite upset with each other. During the caution, they roughed each other up in each other's cars in turn three, and they chased each other in front of the pace car. Track officials finally broke that up as they continued to go at each other just another Saturday night at the Madhouse. Other winners from the Truliant Federal Credit Union Night of Destruction, which included the Monster Truck Crushing and Demolition Derby, Brendan Brendel overtook A.J. Sanders on lap 11 Of the 20-lap stadium stock race, that kicked off the night. Brendel's fifth win of the season as he continues to build on what's been a fantastic 2022 for him so far. In the second sportsman race, Tommy Neal was able to get past and in the lead and able to fend off all comers. In the second race, much different than the first, took advantage of a late caution, knocked out leader Chase Robinson, Robertson and Zach Clifton won a and to win that 20-lapper with his finish in the first race of second and the win in the second race. He and Adams both had a good night for points. Neil said afterwards, just that. It was a good points night, and we will take it. Next week, Fox 8 WGHP 100 Modified Division Race. That'll highlight next week. Of course, Sportsman Street Stock, Stadium Stock, all coming up as well with five weeks remaining in this Bowman Gray season, which it seems like it's just absolutely flown by. We had the rainouts and all that, so it's everything has just absolutely flown by as fast as these guys have gone. We're gonna get in the break here on the pit stop on WTOB powered by Tobacco Road Sports Radio. When we come back, our good friend Randy Pettit has a one of the only few human beings on earth who's more special than he is. He's called a king by not some, not many all. Just 200 career Cup Series wins, seven Cup Series championships, one of the most iconic rides of all time. Oh, yeah, and and the giant hat and the giant belt buckle. Yes, Randy Pettit will talk with the one and only Richard Petty. That is coming up right after this. You won't want to miss it. You're listening to The Pit Stop on WTOB, powered by Tobacco Road Sports Radio. This should be played at high volume.
2: Dicker's walking in. The-
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the special exclusive to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. I'm Randy Pettit, host of this special edition, and I'm known as racing's greatest showman here in Triad. I've announced thousands of, of races, both NASCAR and Outlaw Stock Car Racing, drag races, and more at more than 113 venues. And one of the guys that I covered back in the early days of my career was the one and only king of NASCAR Stock Car Racing, the one and only Richard Petty, and he is on the line with us today. And Richard, I wanted to give give a start uh, by telling you my mother wanted to wish you a belated happy birthday. Her birthday and your birthday are very, very close, and you guys both just turned 65, so I wanted to wish you a very happy birthday, and welcome to the show. Richard, I wanted to, uh, to get started today by talking a little bit about a milestone in your career uh, that a lot of the fans uh, – Newer fans, particularly to the sport, may not be familiar with. Everybody knows where Richard Petty won his 200 NASCAR race, but a lot of folks don't know the story about where he won race number 100.
2: And uh, we was at Bowman Gray, and we lucky enough to win the race, so uh, that was our hundredth win, and uh, it was it was a big win and a small rack <laughs> Didn't get the coverage probably that we'd have got if we was at Daytona or someplace, but. And the main deal was, from my standpoint, we got in the 100th race. That was what it was about. Richard, there were a lot of uh, really neat things about that deal. That
1: was in August of 1969, and that was the only year of your career where you drove a Ford. And if you recall, that was the Myers Brothers 250, which was a race they run annually at Bowman Gray, in memory of the Myers Brothers, uh, the... Uh, two brothers that passed away in the early portion of NASCAR racing. You started from the pole of that race and you only led nine laps, but you won it. That was the big deal. And and one of the other neat things that I remember about that race and talking with my old boss, Hank Schoolfield, who was the track manager at Bowman Gray and North Wilkesboro, uh, Bobby Isaac ran out of fuel and he missed the pit road and that cost him a two lap lead. You ran out of gas too, but you were able to get your car on pit road. Got enough fuel to finish the deal, and like you said, that was a big one for you. Win number one hundred, and it come in your tenth year of big league racing.
2: Yeah, like you said, yeah,
1: Yeah, Richard. It was a pretty neat deal. Uh, Bowman Gray Stadium back in those days had a big old house down there uh, behind the guardrail on the north turn, and we called it the field house. And if anybody had to go to the pit area, it was pretty hard to see what was going on and it's pretty dark back there too. And it was kind of like coming out of the woods back in those days. They've knocked down most of those trees now, but uh, that was a pretty remarkable occurrence. And so for all the fans listening out there, if you want to win a great bar bet, just, just bet somebody, you know, where Richard Petty won number 100 right here in Winston-Salem at the quarter mile Bowman Gray stadium. Um, Richard, another track where I was an announcer for many, many years. And it's certainly one of my all time favorites. Uh, it's been in the news lately. Uh, North Wilkesboro Speedway, I worked for Hank Schoolfield, the track manager up there, and, of course, the uh, one of the pioneers of our sport, Enix Staley. And, man, you had a lot of success, a tremendous amount of success at North Wilkesboro, 15 cup victories, uh, and you led the board up there. Old DW had 10, and Cale and Dale both had five apiece, but nobody got around North Wilkesboro like the king. Uh, what's some of your favorite memories of North Wilkesboro Speedway?
2: You know, we went up there a long time ago when my dad ran it, and it was dirt. And, uh, you know, I remember him and Junior Johnson having knocked down and carry out up, up there on dirt. And uh, by the time I got to running and stuff, uh, they'd asphalt the track. And I just remember, you know, you had to go uphill, up the back stretch, and downhill going down in a, into the first corner. And it was a pretty unique track because one and two was one way and three and four was seemed like a little bit flatter corner or something. And so he had a really fine car and Bill LM and my crew chief, you know, he was pretty good at setting them up on short tracks. So uh, all all I had to do was stay out of trouble. I think the biggest trouble we had up there was one year with me and Bobby got Bobby Allison, got the beating on each other at the end of the race and, smoke coming out of both cars and it was a heck of a deal uh i think we wound up winning the thing but the last two or three laps i think i knocked him in the fence the next lap he knocked me in the fence so it was an all-out brawl but uh, the main thing from our standpoint we just still wound up winning and been another lap or two neither one of us could have been able to finish the race
1: yeah, you and Bobby Allison had a lot of battles, and one that came to mind uh, at North Wilkesboro was your last win up there. I believe it was 1981. I was in the infield. I was just a little kid, and you were 43 years old, and you outdueled uh, Bobby Allison for win number 15 at North Wilkesboro. I was there. I'll never forget it, and, man, you you laid a whooping on them uh, time and time again at Wilkesboro. Richard, you had a ton of success on all the short tracks, really, Uh, You know, you won 15 at North Wilkesboro. You had 15 wins at Martinsville, 12 at Richmond. Everybody kind of knows you for your success at Daytona, where you won 10 races and seven Daytona 500s. But really, uh, the key to getting those 200 wins was all the great runs that you had on the short tracks. And there were a bunch of them on the NASCAR schedule back in the day.
2: Yeah, the short tracks, uh, basically, that's where I started. Started on the short tracks, uh, dirt tracks, uh, you know, graduated the asphalt tracks, and then uh, 1959 Daytona was built Super Speedway, and then in '60 I think Atlanta built a Super Speedway. We had Darlington, and I ran Darlington, and that was the only Super Speedway when I started. And uh, you know I came along just as they they started doing the Super Speedway era. So in in my career I came along at exactly the right time for me and for the circumstances around me we had a lot of good people around uh, you know the cars were good my dad was winning championships and a bunch of races in the cars so the basic deal was I started in a winning car so it was just up to me to learn to drive the thing and uh, took a little while to do it and uh, you know it was just one of the deals that you know you just keep on plugging along everything just sort of fell together
1: for us folks you're listening to this ex- special exclusive to tobacco road sports radio home of the rundown with desmond johnson and we welcome all of our listeners on wwbg 1470 am i'm randy pettit racing's greatest showman i've announced thousands and thousands of races at 113 different tracks across the country including my two home tracks north Speedway. And the Great Madhouse Bowman Gray Stadium over in Winston Salem, where I was there for almost 15 seasons. Richard, uh, one of the secrets to your 200 wins was, like you said, you were around a long, long time. One of the things that always <laughs> um, gets me about, you know, stock car racing that that the average fan doesn't understand just how hard it is. You know, a lot of other sports, it's one on one. You know, you win as much as you lose, but in racing, uh, you know, you go home way more. On the on the losing end of the stick than you do winning, for example, not to pick on you, but you know you had eleven hundred and eighty four starts, you won two hundred, but what about the nine hundred and eighty four times that you didn't win? You know that's what it's all about, and uh, the sport can be very humbling, can it?
2: Yeah, I'm probably the only guy in any kind of sport that has won more races than anybody and uh, lost more than anybody. So <laughs> you know, you look at it from that standpoint. Uh, our percentages wasn't too bad, but uh, I think a lot of people maybe had a little bit better percentages. But nobody ran that many races. And you got to figure 84 was the last year that I won a race. So I ran until 92 without winning a race. So that really messed up my percentages as far as, as winning races. So, you know, one, once I went downhill, I went all the way. But I just love the drive a race cars so much. It was hard for them to get me out of it. And I think STP was our sponsor at that time. And we had a lifetime sponsorship with them. And uh, as long as I drove a car, then uh, STP would sponsor me. And then I think along in the early nineties, they got to saying, Hey, you know, we was sponsoring a winning car and you're not winning. So uh, I think that, you know, the good sense of me was I didn't want to be a deal that. I ran and retired and then come back and tried to do it again. I never seen a whole lot of success in that. So I just overstayed my welcome to begin with and happy that I've done it that way.
1: Richard, um, I I don't think there's a fan anywhere that minded that you stuck around as long as you did. And, you know, there are many examples of other drivers. You could could name several. Darrell Waltrip is one where a lot of the fans wondered if, Maybe old DW stuck around a little too long. And then you had the other end of the stick, and I've talked to him about it personally. Rusty Wallace, he'll be the first to tell you, I quit too quickly. I should have hung in there a little longer. Mark Martin came back. You know, that stuff gets in your blood, whether you're like me, talking about racing or taking pictures of it, writing about it, or being behind the wheel. It just gets in your blood. I was born into it. I had family members that raced. I started going to the races when I was a baby in my mother's arms. And once it gets in your blood, it's just hard to get it out, isn't it?
2: Man, I, I was born into a racing family. Uh, first race I went to, I was 11 years old, and my dad ran the very first cup race, NASCAR cup race, in Charlotte in 1949, and I've been going to racing ever since. So, you know, it's one of the deals where I'm like a farmer, a farmer's son. Farmer's son becomes a farmer. Uh, then I was a race car driver, and I'm My dad was a race car driver. I became a race car driver, and it was our business. That was a family business, and I felt responsible for the family. My dad felt responsible for the family. Um, Then he had a bad accident in 61 at at, uh, Daytona, and so he he retired, and I guess the family fortunes were left up to to me. My brother, and, uh, you know, uh, my brother was – you know, he drove a few, a few races and stuff, and uh, I think he had an accident, Columbia, South Carolina, somewhere. He got out of the car and said, you drive them all. I'll build the engines. So he was the engine builder for all the wins that I had, a bunch of them and Daddy had. And uh, I think, uh, I think he was responsible for 268 cut wins out of uh, Petty's garage. So uh, from that standpoint, uh, you know, he's, He's right up there. And the big deal was I went into the Hall of Fame. Uh, My dad went into the Hall of Fame. My brother went into the Hall of Fame. My crew chief, Dale Inman, who won eight championships, seven with me and and one with uh, Terry Labonte. Uh, He went into the championship, went into the Hall of Fame. So we're probably the only team in any sport that's got the whole team in the Hall of Fame.
1: And uh, when you when you're back down there, say hello to my good friend Winston Kelly, the executive director of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Winston and I and his father Earl did the uh, public address announcing at North Wilkesboro Speedway. And there's a guy that's dedicated his life to our sport. And there's been so many people that have done that, including uh, all the people you mentioned. And we uh, we certainly enjoyed the ride that you gave us there at Petty Enterprises. Now, Richard, people if people want to reminisce a little bit, um, you got the Petty Family Museum right there in Randallman, And we got folks here listening to this in the triad that probably haven't been down there. Tell us a little bit about the museum and some of your favorite things that are on display.
2: Well, you know, <laughs> hard to say. Uh, we got, we got a bunch of race cars. We got a bunch of petty stuff, a bunch of trophies, uh, stuff that we've collected or accumulated. And we didn't collect nothing. We just accumulated a bunch of, bunch of stuff. And we took a couple of the race shops Petty's Garage there in Level Cross, North Carolina, and uh, converted those. We took the rest of the shop and went into the hot rod business, I guess. Petty's Garage. We built motors there. and We built cars, new cars, old cars. Anybody wants anything to their car, uh, whether it's painted, or a new motor, bigger wheels, uh, suspension deals. Customize whatever Petty's Garage does that for. So it's all at where Petty Enterprises used to be in Level Cross. So uh, you know that place is still busy, and uh, we still got the for the museum. We still got the original floor that my dad started um, in 1949. It's got his autograph, got his signature and uh, date on the on the ground, and so uh, you know it, 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 that's where NASCAR started basically. Then my dad was in the first race. Then when you go to most museums, most museums have taken stuff and put it in a place with chandeliers and all the fancy lights and stuff. We just converted a garage that we worked in all those years at Petty's Engineering. And, uh, and it turned out a pretty, uh, Garage Deal. It's what we got there now. So uh, it's been in business a long time.
1: Yeah, that's a great day trip for anybody listening to us here in the Triad area, North Carolina. And if you haven't been there, uh, you guys have been one of our sponsors over at Bowman Gray in the program. And I've talked about it for years and and it's a great day trip for anybody in the Triad. Richard, did you ever think back when you got started in the late 50s that, you know, here we are in 2022 and you're still relevant in our sport? You're part of Petty GMS Motorsports. You've got uh, Ty Dillon, Eric Jones out there in the 42 and 43 cars. And you've got a uh, the young redhead who's got that petty smile. I met him down at Carteret County Speedway. Your grandson, Thad Moffitt, who uh, is almost the same age as my daughter. He turns 22 in September. And Thad's just getting his career going, really, uh, on the major league level with four truck starts. And he said, uh, I guess, about two or three full seasons of ARCA racing altogether. Um, you're still – the petty name is still going strong, isn't it? Well,
2: yeah, <clears throat> yeah we just – a little bit of trouble really settling him down. Uh, you know, it's so hard now and It's so expensive to get into racing. It's kind of hard and uh, so far we've not hit the magic bullet to be able to put him in any kind of good, really, really good equipment to, just to see what kind of a driver he is. He's got the personality, he's got the want to, uh, got the desire to do it. Uh, it's going to be up to all of us to, to put a program together and send him out there and let him prove what he what he thinks he can do and what we think he can do so it's just going to take a little bit of time uh we just hope that you know by next year we'll be able to put a program together put him in a truck or some kind of different kind of deal where he can run on a regular basis and start establishing his
1: richard the last thing i wanted to ask you about because i know you've got to go and we've got to uh, wrap up our program, and and thank you so much for joining us today. I wanted to ask you your thoughts on uh, North Wilkesboro Speedway, kind of getting a little bit of revitalization. There's some work going on up there. They're going to have some, uh, what we would call some, you know, some Saturday night short track racing up there uh, in August and October. Uh, I'm sorry, August and September. Uh, that's got to feel pretty good for, for one of those tracks you grew up on.
2: Yeah, and you know, it's nice to bring some of the tracks that made NASCAR uh, without Martinsville, Wilkesboro. You know, we used to run race up in, uh, at the fairground there in, in uh, Winston-Salem. My dad won a race up there one time. Uh, they had a racetrack in uh, High point. And, and all those tracks just sort of went away. Come back, and Wilkesboro was a good place to do it. I see they're they going to run asphalt for a few races and then they're going to tear it up and put it back originally and make it back to dirt. So that's going to really make it interesting and Hope hope that it works out. Uh, I know we've been up there a couple of times and they've kept the track cleaned up and all that stuff. And they're re, redoing some stuff to to make it back where they can run on a, a regular basis. So hopefully uh, it works out for everybody.
1: Richard, I wanted to tell you once again, uh, belated happy birthday. And thank you so much for joining us on our program today. And when I was a kid growing up, I had two favorite drivers in the big leagues. And they were, I think, the two that have still stood the test of time. And that would be David Pearson, the Silver Fox, and Richard Petty. And what an honor it is to speak with you today. And God bless. And I'll I'll see you at the track, Neil. All
2: right. I'll see you at the museum. Come check us out, okay?